Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Hey, it's Greg Harrelson here coming at you for, with another episode of the Level Up Podcast. And today's going to be a special podcast because I've got two guests uh, with me and I actually have a relationship with both of these guests, meaning they are real estate agents, top real estate agents in one of my offices, Century 21, the Harrelson Group in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've both w- been with me for you know you, multiple years, so, um, maybe Lori Sorensen a little bit longer uh, than Lori Widener, but they're both doing a tremendous amount of deals. So let me go ahead and introduce them so we can just get right into the meat of the conversation and see if we can help you, the audience, learn more about how to convert buyers, how to build a bigger buyer business, um, and um, you know, continue to grow you know, as the buyer side of the transaction has changed, has shifted, consumer demands have actually uh, you know, increased on the agent. So um, I will say the two Lori's, because both of you happen to be named Lori. So we've got Lori with the the darker hair, Lori Sorensen, welcome to uh, the podcast. Say hello and hi, hi. everyone. <laughs> and then we've got um, the lighter hair, Lori. Um, say hi, Lori. This is Lori Widener. Hey, everyone. All right. So um, you never know how this podcast is going to go because I do know these ladies quite well. And um, unfortunately, they know me quite well also. So um, they, they may, you know, they may curse me out at some point. They may disagree with me. We kind of have that relationship. But let me start off with Lori Sorensen. Can you tell us how many deals are you projected to do this year? 75 closed transactions. Okay. And um, how many did you do last year? 62. 62 to 75. And out of your 75, and, and I'm, I'm catching you off guard with some of these questions. So roughly, how many of those do you think will be buyer side transactions versus seller side, seller controlled? 90% buyer. Okay. So if you had only two choices uh, or three choices, you, your business is built on a blend of buyers and sellers. You're a buyer's agent. You're a listing agent. What would you refer to yourself as? A buyer's agent. Yeah. The numbers would reflect that, but some people, you know, don't wear that badge proud and that's not the buyer agent proud uh, uh, badge. It could be somebody could have a lot of listing deals and not really want to be a listing agent. And some people could have a lot of buyer deals and not want to be a buyer deal. So really the reason I'm asking that is because I think you've kind of chosen to build your business off of that model. Would you, would you agree to that? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So Lori Widener, so how many um, deals are you projected to do this year? 80 to 90. Okay. And how many did you do last year? 64. Okay. Wow. So your businesses are very similar, very, very similar between the two of you. And um, I'll ask you the same question as the, the percentages. Let's just say you do 80 or 90. About what percent will they, they be buyer controlled versus listing controlled? 90% buyers as well. Okay, good. So you're kind of making that conscious decision too to, to build your business. So, so as I said to you before we, I hit the record button, um, I know you all in my office are probably like 
not jumping for joy thinking, oh, I just made like 80 deals or I'm going to do 75 deals because you're probably feeling like you're less than because you've got a bigger goal. What, what was your goal, Lori Widener, for this year? My goal for this year is 100. Okay. And what about you, uh, Sorensen? You're going to kill me. But my goal was 50 and I adjusted. Okay. So you, so, okay, let's, what, what? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I probably am going to kill you. Okay. Yeah. But let me, let me kill yeah. you with questions. Um, yeah. So let me get this right. Last year you did how many deals? 62. And you set a goal to do 50 this year to go down? Is that a yes? I guess I, sometimes I play it safe. Is that, so you did do that. You literally set yes. a smaller goal. Okay. Did you yes. tell me that? Nope. Okay. All right. Because I don't feel like, because I'm wondering like what the hell I would have told you if you would have told me that. Oh, so I adjusted it. Okay. All right. Well, good. But tell me this, like really, uh, honestly, what was in your head? Because that might not have been a bad thing. Maybe, you know, I know you've got lovely girls, right? And, and, yeah. and you really, you know, your main goal is to be the best mom you can be, right? Yeah. And then and, and that supersedes the business that you create for yourself. So there, it's not a bad thing you know, to, to, to set a goal to do less deals. If, if that's to me, if that's because you want to get more of something else, but where was mm -hmm. your mind? Was it, was that what it was or were you afraid? Um, did some, what, what was going on in your head? So that's kind of a, a loaded question, but I think an important question for working moms. Um, okay. So yeah. there's like always a struggle of learning balance. And you and I have talked about creating a schedule, sticking to it, learning how to balance business, family. Um, and also I struggle with wanting to play it safe and fear of like setting a goal that maybe sometimes I don't believe that I could hit. So I think it's a lot of like a combination. Sure. Sure. So like if you set a goal that if, if, if like, if you had set a goal at the beginning to do a hundred deals, um, I'm assuming that, or what I'm hearing you say, there's a possibility that you might not have believed that goal. And if you didn't yeah. believe that goal, then maybe you would have either sabotaged yourself and not even went for it or been disappointed and felt like a failure. Is that kind of what you were avoiding? For sure. Okay. That's good. All right. So let's start getting into, um, uh, y'all's business again, both of you are doing tremendous amount of business for being solo agents. So let's make sure that we, you're not, a, neither one of you are a team, right? Correct. No. Yeah. I mean, now I think both of you have an assistant. Um, so, I mean, I guess depending on how technical somebody wants to be, um, yes, you have an, an admin assistant, but you're, you all are doing these deals yourselves. You're not counting the production from somebody else's deals. Is that right? Correct. That's correct. Okay. I, I knew that, but I want to set it up for the audience. So, what the heck's going on? How are you finding the time to do this many deals with buyers? So granted, we know that you've got enough leads to do these deals um, or else you wouldn't be able to do these deals. But knowing that you have the leads, um, what, are some of the, like, what are some of the adjustments that you had to make from when you were doing, say, the 40 to 50 buyer transactions to now getting up into that 80 plus buyer transaction type of business? What are some of the adjustments you had to make to make that leap? Either one of you can start. I'll start off with you, Widener, um, so you guys don't talk over each other. So part of it for me was adding on an admin person um, okay. to help me with that was 
helpful. So what are some of the tasks? Like what, what would a buyer's agent give an admin? Can you share a few, like some basic tasks that, that you may have gave to your admin and which relieved you from and freed up a lot of time so you could go out and be with buyers more? Is there a, a task or two that come to mind? They book all my showings for me, print all my paperwork for me. Um, gosh, what else do they do? Just a lot of stuff, honestly. I mean, those are some of the top ones that I mean, don't seem like big time things, but they really are, especially in the market that we're in with oceanfront condos. It's not like we're all, you know, single family homes that are easy books. You got to call the desk, call the rental company, you know, line yeah. up where to pick the keys. There's a lot of navigation and stuff that goes into it. So you know, she's key role in that, which is super helpful. And so what would you say your job is? Um, you know, as a real estate agent, you're pushing a lot of things off to your admin. What, what are probably the two or three things that you, that make up the majority of your time? Talking with prospects and clients and, and prospecting. Yeah. So going on appointments are my big things. So I mean, I focus more on the med, I mean, all of them are generally, you know, help the end picture, but, you know, those are things that, you know, a non-licensed person, like some of the, with negotiations on some of the other stuff that they can't do. Yeah. Yeah. So you're either a generating business. So you're either calling and prospecting, whether it be calling your databases, doing follow-up, um, or you're showing property, or you're in a conversation with somebody about a negotiation. It sounds like, the majority of your day and what I would suspect the majority of your day is really in the communication of either getting a new lead, following up with an old lead or communicating uh, with an active lead with the mission to put them push them forward through the transaction. And is that the makeup of your day? You nailed it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Good. And and I'm glad I could get that, uh, help you with that, you know, and, and, and describe it for you. So you, so at the same token, you're trying to minimize, the activities that, or the, the time that you're, you're, you're spending doing anything but that. Correct. And that's where the admin comes in. Yes. Okay. So that's very important for the listeners out there. If you want to know how do you continue to grow your business working the buyer side of the transaction, this will give you a little idea of how Lori Widener um, hired an admin and how she delegated tasks to make sure she could continue to grow. Lori Sorensen, so we, we may have just said everything that you were going to say, but what could you add to that? So I, I kind of wanted to touch on, um, she, I think she covered pretty much the admin, but, you know, working with buyers is, um, you know, you said very early on when I started working for you, something that I have never forgotten and I still apply daily is the more faces you see, the more deals you'll do. And one thing that I've noticed changing Mm. and the shift with a buyer is they, and and I'm even like this, we all want instant gratification. If they call you and they want to see a property, you know, a lot of us want them to be pre-approved, speak to a lender, do this, do that. And if you, you know, put them through the ringer, they're just going to hang up and call somebody else. Mm. At the click of, of a button, they'll have another agent on the phone. That'll take them and get the deal. So I try really hard to see as many buyers as I can. You know, I pre-qualify, of course, but I can kind of gauge whether or not like this is, you know, this is going to be worth my time. I try to get in front of them, have the conversation about pre-approvals, getting pre-approved face-to-face. 
So I really try to get myself in front of as many buyers as I can. And I really think that makes a difference. Yeah, that's a great point. So what I'm, what I'm grasping and what I'm taking from what your, your, your explanation is, um, if, if I call you, I'm the buyer, and I call you and I say, look, I'm probably not qualified, but I'd still like to see that property. Like you're not necessarily going to take me out because I, you, you pretty much identify that I'm not qualified. Right. Mm-hmm. And now right. I know that, that's an extreme example, but just follow, yeah. me here, follow me here. So what I hear you saying, if it's obvious that somebody's not going to be able to buy or you, your intuition tells you that this could be a waste of time, mm-hmm. you, you just still have a filter. But maybe your mm-hmm. filter is different than what the filter has been for so many years in real estate mm-hmm. when a buyer calls. Well, do you have, um, uh, have you talked to a bank? Well, I'm not mm-hmm. going to pre-qualify you. I'm not going to take you out until you, you give me a pre-approval letter. Like there's still people mm-hmm. running their business like that. So you're probably yeah. not taking everybody out, but you're not no. putting them through that strict regimen either. No, not at all. And it's so easy to have a casual conversation with a buyer on the phone while you might be looking up a property as in, you know, do you have any properties to sell before you purchase? How long have you been looking? Like there are certain questions that they, you know, kind of gets their guard down where you're not just going right into, you need to speak with my lender. Where's your pre-approval letter? And a lot of agents do that. So Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of pre-qualifying questions that a buyer doesn't mind asking in casual conversation. And as you, you know, as you know, I've done more business, you do get that intuition of this is a strong lead. They just might not be ready to talk to a bank or I can get in front of them. They might love the property. And, and then you go on the appointment and because you, you get that face-to-face interaction, they're going to stick with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that face-to-face for you is a way you're bu- building great rapport, building trust and building loyalty. So your, your goal is to get them face to face as quickly as you first identify is this somebody that I feel mm-hmm. I, I need to meet with face to face, but then get face to face as quickly mm-hmm. as you can. Do you remember when you didn't do it that way and, and now you're doing it that way? Is there any kind of um, shift that you've seen occur in your business because of that that you can recall? Um, as far as like how is like that before I pre yeah, before you did it different, we're probably pre-qualifying the traditional way, making them earn a right, earn a spot into your schedule. Now you're practically putting as many people in your schedule as you can. And then, you know, and you're trying to earn the right to be their agent versus making them earn the right for you to show them property. That's kind of what I'm hearing. If I'm wrong and interpreting this wrong, please bring that up. No, I, you're, you're right on. Okay. You're right on the money. But I also think too, it builds a pipeline. So, you know, everybody not, might not be ready to buy right this minute, but you know, they might, and, and we have it, we're kind of in a unique market. So someone might come to town, they're looking to purchase in the fall. They want to see a unit or see a house or meet up with an agent. And then, you know, they're going to be ready in the fall. We're getting in front of them. And so not only does it do all of that, but it also, it builds business for the future as well. Okay. I Good. agree with, that, with Lori 100% on that. Like some yep. of my, if I look at my business from last year, some of my spring appointments that I had ended up being some of my fall buyers because mm-hmm. they weren't necessarily ready at that time. It was somewhat of an exploratory thing, but it was also providing value to them at times, staying in connection. You know, so in the fall, they were ready to buy. They did go with me um, yeah. for the purchase. And one thing for me was really big to kind of add on to Lori was asking questions. 
And it's all in how we ask them too. Like when I first started, I was kind of almost like I got some feedback from another agent in the office that I was role playing with that said that I was almost like, you know, it's like drilling them, but I was like just trying to interrogate interrogating them. And it almost came up as an interrogation, but I was, and it was great feedback for me to kind of like lighten things up, you know, still ask the questions, you know, confirm and repeat back. So you're checking for understanding, but just lighting, lightening up a little bit, not like asking every single one, you know, in this regimen format. And it, it does help, you know, and over time with your skill set developing it, it works. I think, you know, the questions are huge. Um, so what I hear you saying there is, you know, reflecting to the, some of the coaching conversations that we may have in the company is um, you shifted from an interrogation to a conversation. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the shift that uh, to, to in order, because the interrogation versus the conversation doesn't necessarily have to be a shift in the questions that you're asking. And it doesn't have to be a shift in the information that you're gathering. It's really a shift in the tonality and the voice inflection, the eye contact mm-hmm. and the little side dialogues that you're having, you know, um, versus, you know, what, uh, uh, so what bank have you talked to? Who's your banker? Have you been pre-qualified? Oh, you know, I'm just kind of curious. I'm just curious. Have you talked to a bank any, any time in the last, you know, month or so? Like that right there can take it from an interrogation to a conversation. Maybe that's a poor example, but if you listen to the voice inflection and the tonality and even my facial expression for those that can see me, they'll, uh, they probably heard that, that sentence differently. Um, and I think that's what you, you really did. And I remember that. I, re- I remember that you very regimented. Um, and, um, but being a little bit more versatility in the way that you were communicating probably makes a big difference for you. So I think you're role playing and you're getting that feedback. Like I didn't personally feel like I'm going to interrogate these people. Like I felt like I'm going to get the information, you know, to ask the questions so I can best help them. But, you know, it was great feedback for me to help develop my skill set that, you know, what we think we sound like and what we actually sound like sometimes are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. What I like, and I want the audience to, to, to just, if I could like hit a little asterisk or a check mark, like remember this point at a time in our business where real estate agents are trying to automate everything. Both of you just said face to face, belly to belly interaction is one of the things that you feel is helping you be successful. And that's great because the conversations are in our industry are going the exact opposite way. Like we need to, in order to scale, in order to do more business, we got to do less of this and we got to do more automation. You're, I'm sure, I know you're using automation, but you're really paying attention to how many people can you actually connect with face-to-face. So, so for good for you all. Um, tell me this, buyers, um, you know, they can choose a lot of real estate agents. They can, you know, nowadays they can go on Zillow and pretty much find every listing and then contact the listing agent and go to them direct. Um, or again, they can find every million of real estate agents that are out there, they can find them on the internet. So the buyers today have a lot of choices and they really don't have to make solid commitments. Like a listing, a seller has to sign a listing agreement. Most buyers agents in the industry don't really use those buyer agreements. And even those buyer agreements are really, they don't really stand up that well, no matter some people may try to enforce them, and I guess you could, but they don't, they're not really that enforceable. So with all the choices that the buyers have, it's a tougher question here. 
what value are you bringing to the buyer that makes the buyer stick with you? Because for you to do this many deals with buyers, I believe and I know that when you all do go on appointments, you get a lot of loyalty with the people that you work with. In today's world, when they can choose anybody, why are they choosing you? What's the value that you're bringing to the table? Well, I, I would say experience. I mean, I, I haven't, I've been in the business for three plus years, which that's not a long time compared to people that have been in the business for 20 plus years. But with an agent that, you know, doing 50 deals, like I've closed you know, that many this year already comes along with experience. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I easily navigate a buyer through the transaction from beginning to end smoothly and confidently in just about any situation. And I feel that with time, you know, you get that confidence and it, and obviously happens with experience too, that, you know, I just let them know, Hey, I'm here for you. I can help you navigate this from beginning to end with, you know, the best, whether it's suggestions for, you know, people in the transaction to help, you know, lenders, inspector, mm -hmm. whoever, you know, we have those tools at our fingertips as well. So. What about the negotiations? Cause I know that you're very, um, you're, you're a researcher. So before you probably write an offer and during the negotiation, I'm sure you're studying the market and, and, and investigating, um, you know, the transaction or at least the market value of the properties like you would do if it was your, would your, uh, if it was your own purchase. Um, how, how does the, how does the buyer know that you're that committed to doing all that? Like, in other words, those are the types of values that I see in you that I think translates to the buyer, but I don't know that you necessarily have to tell the buyer that like they kind of get it about you that you're very thorough that you're, um, that you, you are their due diligence. Like, you know, if I was going to buy a property, if I wrote my offer with you, I know you're probably going to do more due diligence on this, on, on the property than I would probably do, um, myself. So that would be why I'd probably want to use you before I want to use myself because of the way that you would protect me. Um, Lori Sorensen, any other ideas on, you know, what, why you, what, what, what makes you a great buyer's agent when it comes to, um, in, in the eyes of the consumer, not just because of your number of transactions? So I would like to say um, or think that a lot of my clients can tell that I have a genuine um, interest in each transaction. I have a lot of heart. I care so much about my clients. I treat them like family. Um, I try to just take care of them from beginning to end. So mm -hmm. I think that um, a lot of the reviews that I've gotten, they just it kind of marks that like I actually care about them. I don't look at them as a paycheck or just a transaction. I really do care about each person and them being happy in what they're purchasing. And I just think that comes through. Okay, good. I'm going to change gears now. I just had an idea. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, Goody. yeah, <laughs> lucky you two. When you get a new lead notification, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Contacting them, like speed to lead. Speed to lead. Okay, got it. Correct. So tell me a little bit more about speed to lead. How important is speed to lead to your business? And can you give me um, not what, because Greg tells us that if we don't, then he's going to, you know, kick our butts. Um, from your perspective, like, when you're focusing on speed to lead, like how much is that really making a difference to your business? 
a lot. I think you want to be the first person they talk to. I really believe, and I've, you know, I've heard some of the other agents that I'm working, I don't want to put anybody down, but yeah. the val or the, the level of conversation that we all have because of, you know, the coaching and the training that we have is on a much different scale. Um, so to me, I feel like if we can get to them first and have a really solid, strong conversation, I don't think anybody else is going to compare. I don't think, I, I just don't. And, and clients have told me that before. Mm-hmm. They've said how nobody's responding to them or, um, and, and, you know, I just get on the phone and I talk to them and, and we have a very strong conversation. And yeah. I think today's market, as Lori mentioned before, you know, people were in an instant gratification society and they, res- they respect and they find value in speed to lead. You know, they're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for, you know, calling me right away. Or they're like, oh my gosh, you were so quick with it. And it's like, listen, I understand that this must be important to you. So I want to make the connection with you right away to see how I can best help you. Yeah. If you're the first one to talk to them and you're talking at a high level, like a a, a higher level of a conversation, um, I I can imagine everybody that calls after you probably just makes you look that much better. You know, so it's like, so you, but you got to be first, right? You got to be first Mm -hmm. because you don't want to play catch up. Okay. So speed to lead. So that, that, that was, that was where I was going with that. So now obviously there's, um, a lot of leads that you, um, that you don't get to immediately. Um, and you know, how do you start, how do you find the time to contact all these people that you weren't able to get on the phone when you first got that notification because you're generating all these leads. And in our industry, we're having an issue, right? Where we generate all these leads, we try to call them. And then all of a sudden we play this, this period or we have this period of time for a couple of days where we can't get them on the phone. And then we kind of give up. How are you managing that, um, that process? Automation. So I, I put them in contact junkie. Okay. So you're using, and you were going to say, Widener, you said automation? Correct. So, so expand on that a little bit more. We're using Contact Junkie. It's okay. very simple to use. Um, it's yourself with your personal message. So it's not a, a canned message from some you know, system that somebody made up. So you're make, you know, it's, it's your content and your delivery that you're you know, sincerely trying to reach the lead with. So whether it's a voicemail, a text, or an email, they all are coming from me. It's just on a systematic setup to reach them. So it's, there's different times of day that are better for client, you know, different people you're trying to reach. So it's just a form of, once you have a lot of leads, you know, you're just still trying to follow up and it allows me to do that. Yeah. So, um, and a lot of the audience will know a little bit about contact junkie that we built that tool for our office and eventually let it out to the public. But, and, and that's not necessarily, um, I'm not trying to do a commercial for contact junkie, but I think the point is that I wanted to bring out is that if you don't get them on the phone in that first, like so many minutes, it's probably going to take you another eight or nine attempts to ever get them on the phone. And whether you use automation or you schedule um, a multiple uh, you know, periods of time in your schedule to actually make these calls, it has to be done. Because you know, we're, all, we're all spending money to generate leads. And you know, whether it's money in the form of our own time and energy or, or whether it's real dollars through some sort of PPC or Zillow or whatever it may be, right? We're spending money. There's a cost to every lead. 
But um, and the cost for a lead seems to be a little bit low if you compare it to the cost of the contact. And that's where the issue is. If we get 100 leads, but we only talk to 20 of them, then the cost of the contact is divided by a, uh, uh, the cost of the lead is divided by what you pay divided by 100. But the cost of the contact is what you pay divided by 20. So the cost of how much it costs to actually reach somebody is, is way more. It's four times the cost of the lead. So what we have to do is make sure, and you two are doing well, is making sure that you're maximizing the amount of contacts that you get out of the leads that you're generating. You know, so I wanted the audience to just know that. So what about this one? These are just random things I've got here on my notes now. Um, what about like, are you getting more buyers that are saying, oh, I just want to talk to the listing agent? Are you hearing that more and more? What do you say? So I had the per I have the perfect um, conversation to share with that. I had a buyer over the summer, well, this summer, um, that only wanted to deal with the listing agent. And by the time I got to him, he was so full of frustration because nobody was returning his call. Nobody wanted to meet and show him the unit. And I had, it was, it was the best conversation. And I, I said, because they're representing the seller. They don't, I mean, not to put, to say anything negative about listing agents, but their best interest is the seller and they don't want to take the time to show buyers a property. Some don't, this yeah. particular, these particular agents did not. And I said, that's why you want to go to a buyer's agent. I will take the time, schedule them, show you the property. He was so full of frustration. He had spent so much money traveling to town Never found a unit um, up until, of course, you know, he met me, but, um, and, and he thought he was going to save all this money. And it was, it was crazy because he was so full of frustra frustration, had such a negative feel, spent all this money traveling here thinking he's going to save money because the listing agent is going to cut him a better deal. And that's just not the truth. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, it, it was, it was kind of like the perfect setup because we really do care about our buyers. And the listing yeah. agents really care about their sellers. So it's, it, I mean, we're buyer's agents for a reason. Yeah, it's kind of like the new construction. You know, there's so many times where new construct agents or buyers will go into the new construction thinking they're going to get a better deal than if they take an agent into the new construction. But mm -hmm. you both know, and I'm sure you've done this many times, where you've walked people into these new constructions and you've structured the deal where you've in, mm -hmm. negotiated a lower price, which is not always the case. Um, because the builders don't like to a lot of times lower their price. But what you've done is in, in lieu of lowering the price, you've got them so many more upgrades or things paid for, um, you know, for them. In other words, you've negotiated them a, a, a much better deal and um, than they would have got if they would have went direct to the, to the um, developer themselves. So um, if you, let me ask you this, and we'll kind of uh, wind it down a little bit. If you were going to make two suggestions to somebody who's working with buyers, maybe a little bit frustrated, you know, they'd like to build up their, their business, but are feeling, again, frustrated that, gosh, I'm, these buyers are just running me ragged, I just don't have time. What are one or two suggestions that you would give somebody that's in that uh, state of mind? Sorensen. Um, so I would say um, really focus on making connections with buyers. You know, when you get on the phone with somebody, listen to them listen to their needs, ask them questions, pretend that it's your own family member that you're talking to. And I think that the result will change. 
Because when you get on the phone and you just treat a lead like a paycheck or a lead, mm. I think you're going to see frustration. I think that you're going to see a buyer go somewhere else. We're all dying for connection. We're in a connectionless world and we all want connected to something or someone. And so work really hard to connect with every single buyer you get on the phone before you get off. And I think that they would see a difference. That's awesome. I, just real quick, you just said we are in a connectionless world. What's so, that the word? Well, it, we, it, it's a word in my vocabulary now. Um, but that's such an important statement because technology is supposed to make us more connected, right? Like, wait, we're more connected. Heck, we're not even in the same room. All three of us are in different locations right now. We're connected, but we're not connecting right? Because we're not face-to-face and, and making the connection as deep as we normally would if we're face-to-face. So that's really interesting that you're really trying to bring human connection back into the business. So congrats, you know, for, for that. What about you, Lori Widener? I would just ask yourself, like maybe record some of your conversations that you're having. Because in I think it goes back to too, like what we think we sound like and what we actually sound like. And sometimes when I listen to people, like, or I notice that, you know, some of the agents may be getting frustrated there. I hear, I see that they're working hard, like some of the new, but then, you know, it's, I think you do, you need to role play. You need to get feedback from somebody else, like how you sound, like keep role playing, keep getting the feedback and your conversations will develop. It's so important. Like you talked to us before this call of of being in the office around other experienced people, hearing the conversations so that you can help better yourself Mm -hmm. to help your buyers more or to help your clients. So I think a lot of it comes from, you know, just listening and, and developing your skills in, in those ways. Like what questions are you asking them? Yeah. Like we talked about in the office, you know, asking buyers, um, yeah, I'm just kind of curious. I mean, uh, wh- why are you considering making a purchase right now? You know, like that, that's just like not a common question that a buyer's agent will ask. Like, why are you buying? And it's, you know, of course, we're not going to use that tonality. But when you do find out why they're really buying, now all of a sudden you know what solution or problem you're trying to solve. In other words, I'm buying because my mother-in-law just slipped. She broke her hip. She's going to have to move in with us. Like finding that information out on day one is way better than finding it out when you're, you know, when you're showing them multiple properties and, um, you know, and, and, and now you're a month down the road. You know, and the fact like asking that one question, I'm just kind of curious, you know, I'm just kind of curious, you know, why are you even considering purchasing a property right now? You know, what is, what, what is your true motivation behind, you know, uh, purchasing a property in this area? And then listen to their answers. And then because when you listen to the answers, then you're no longer trying to help them purchase a property. You're now working with them to solve that problem. And when they're working with somebody who's willing to, to, that knows what their problem is, know what, knows what their real, the core uh, challenge or core solutions that they're looking for or core problems that they're trying to run away from, when they know that the agent that they're working with is in touch with them and now you're a team to actually solve that problem, 
you're going to sell them a property. Like the worst, the least thing you need to figure out is how to sell them a property. What you need to be figuring out is what is the problem we're really trying to solve? Because the buying of the home is just the transaction that needs to take place to help them with some other experience that they're really looking to obtain. So if you find out early on what that experience is, the transaction will come to everybody faster. And I think that's what comes to my mind, Lori Widener, when you said, hey, practice and role play, like those are the types of things that you'll learn while you're role playing and practicing with your fellow real estate agents. You'll start to come up with new dialogues that are not being used in the marketplace. And sometimes you just shift a few questions and a few statements and your business shifts. So I wrote down here, your business will change when you change as a real estate agent. When you change is when your business will change. But if we do not continue to grow and work on our skills, then we're probably going to get the same results from a business perspective. That's my two cents. So I'm sorry that I, I feel like I talked a lot more on this call than I did, uh, than I usually do within, in the Level Up podcast. So for the audience, maybe I'm sorry, maybe I'm not. But I can tell you these two Lori's here are phenomenal real estate agents. Um, and I really mean that. And I, I get to spend a lot of time with them, um, you know, around the office. So thank you to both of you for, um, you know, for doing this. And if somebody wants to send you a referral from somewhere around the country, um, you know, what's the best way to reach you, Lori Widener? You can text me 843-455-6159, or you can email me. I'm happy to help you or anybody you know. Okay. Sounds good. And what about you, Sorensen? My cell phone is 843-503-5880. And my email is Lori B as in boy, Sorensen at gmail.com. All right. <laughs> well, awesome. And I just want to thank the audience for tuning in. And if you uh, like what you heard, go ahead and leave a comment. That sure would help us, um, you know, grow and uh, our, our, our placement within the podcast uh, world. So please do that. And if you don't like something that they said, then go ahead and leave a comment on that. We take all, <laughs> all reviews, good or bad. We just want reviews. So please do that. And then hit the subscribe button so you get notifications whenever we do future um, uh, podcasts. So I'm Greg Harrelson. Thank you so much for tuning in.